Hey, y'all. We're super excited about today's episode. We're going to be discovering ways to get to that holy fuck we've been talking so much about. Join us. Welcome to Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Two gals on the prowl for enlightenment, sex, and all things holy. Holy Fuck. Each week, beauty alchemist and transformational coach and speaker, Catherine McClelland, and spiritual healer and life coach, Krista Kim, discuss navigating spiritual consciousness in a real human body. Stumbling through dating, relationships, and everyday life, all while maintaining a fucking sense of humor. Hey, Krista. Hey, Catherine. How are you? What's up? We've been reading a really good book. (laughs) We're talking about how warm reading this book makes us feel sometimes. (laughs) And tingly. And tingly and sensuous. It's like really one of my favorite words. Sensuous. Yeah, and we've mentioned that we're going to be talking about this book, and finally we're like, well, when are we actually going to talk about it? (laughs) Finally, we put our foot down. This is the week we're talking about this incredible book, and I think even just the title might make us this beginning of this feeling start to grow. The title of this book is Open Her by Karen Brody. By Karen Brody, and Karen Brody does work with men. And she teaches men what she believes from her experiences it takes to invite women into the fullest expression of themselves, a.k.a. their their spirituality (laughs) and their sexuality. (laughs) Almost like I didn't want to say sexuality for Why not? I don't know. I just said that. Sexuality, sexuality, sexuality. Spirituality, sexuality. (laughs) So we're saying those two things are one, actually. Actually. Actually, when this we get- is actually the second time I've read the book. Um, and it's interesting because it's, I feel like it's the type of book that when you're in a certain type of relationship, you read the book from a certain perspective. Which then, one is that? Well, hmm, the first time I, I'm just saying, oh, I don't know. You don't have to be specific which relationship, just which perspective. Like, if you're in a relationship, what was your perspective? Well, I think the first time I read it, I was um, really suffering in a relationship. And I was reading it more from the perspective of, like, okay, so she has, like, seven archetypes of male qualities um, that when a man has those in alignment or in balance, that they become very attractive to women. And women open. And women open to them. In their presence, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And so when I was in this one particular relationship, I was reading it and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I'm not open to him. And oh, yeah, he's he should be doing those things, you know, and but there was also the aspect of me that was learning a ton about myself and the qualities I was bringing into the relationship. But I was kind of doing it backwards. I was like looking at all the things he wasn't doing in the relationship through these archetypes So it was more of a blaming thing, Mm -hmm. but it was actually pointing out to me qualities that I'm looking for in a relationship. And I couldn't figure out why in all my past relationships, men would say how closed off I am or friends even would say I have a cold heart or closed off. Cold, cold, cold hearted Krista. Cold hearted Krista. And I could tell by reading (laughs) this book, it was like giving me the keys of what I could look for 
in the men where I was going to be happiest. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you said that because you also brought up that piece about what you were looking for in yourself or from yourself and from the men that you were interacting with. And one of the great things about this book is she talks about seven different men very specifically. So you can really feel into who they were. And this is a very interesting book. It definitely brings you into richness with yourself. And again, that sensuality feeling of like, oh, I'd love to be appreciated like that. I'd love to be seen like that. Can I just quickly give the archetypes with the one word that goes with them so the audience has a little bit of context for what we're talking about? All right. You're looking at me like you don't want to, but- I I don't mind you doing it. I was just in the middle of a sentence about something else. Okay, continue. I thought this was pertaining to that sentence because <laughs> you were talking about how juicy it's making you feel. It's true. And you were talking about being seen. Why don't you go ahead now because it's the okay. sentence is done. Okay. <laughs> it's done because I said it's done. Um, so she mentions the artist who makes a woman feel seen and the poet who, make, through their words, makes a woman feel really celebrated and sensuous. Uh, Then there's the director who allows a woman to feel really guided. And then the warrior, which um, it's it's more they feel really powerful, but not from an aggressive powerful. It's like having a cause that they feel really good standing up for. Then there's the sage, which really is truthful and makes a woman feel safe because of that. Then there's the dark knight who... You know, is always kind of living on the edge, but not from a dangerous perspective, but on a on the perspective of just willing to be adventurous and live with a lot of freedom. And then the last one is the lover, and that one is a man who's in full ownership of his sexuality and kind of knows the sacredness of sex and doesn't express their man- manliness through sex alone. Through sex so, alone. There yeah. was that last word you said is really important. Yeah. So these, the, and if you know Kristen and I have been hanging out with us for a while, we noticed that, hmm, there's seven archetypes and, hmm, there's seven chakras. So we're thinking, wow, when we get to have some real playtime with these, we're going to get to really, really see, huh, how does this line up with our energy systems? Because the energy system in a woman is going to open before she can be sexual. So we right. know, we've talked about this, like, it. we talk about it as safety on one level. It's an emotional safety. It's physical safety. It's spiritual safety. Like, you know you can just open all the way, and this person is really trustworthy on some level because they're expressing the fullness of the masculine in integrity, meaning in alignment with who they are. Mm-hmm. So in each place where there's a place to make a choice, both the man and the woman are being guided to step fully into who they are. And what I love about where she starts in this book is it you could read it like, if guys do this, then women will do that. And you could certainly choose to use it as a sort of manipulation yes, tool if you were right. a guy like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna get one because i'm gonna know i'm gonna tell I'm her gonna these all words the, yeah all the words and all the ways in which to make her feel seen even if i don't truly see her i'll make her feel that way just so i can get in her pants right it's like calculating manipulating right. it's all the things that the ego does 
to get a result that actually then takes away from the other person. It actually steals something because it's not honest. Right. Honesty gives to each other when we're lying or manipulating, we take from each other. Really interesting different energies. If you sit with that for a minute, you think about somebody who really gave you something, like their pure vision of you, their love of you, their admiration, their honoring. You know, we think about that and you bring that into your body, you realize how warm your body feels, how sensuous or I wish they could powerful. see right now. Could, just I'm like just like writhing wow. around. I'm moving like my spine is on fire. Chris and I were just saying that reading this book is a little bit of an experience. It's very sexy. What she does is with each of the archetypes, she kind of tells a story of a man she knew or dated. And it allowed me to reflect on different men I had I've known in my life and known is that known like known. in the biblical sense yeah, of course um, but it helped me it's understand why I was attracted to them because yes. sometimes we're with someone and we're like god you know they're really not my person but they have this thing and I feel like this book helps you understand what that thing is that attracts you to someone it doesn't mean they're your person in all ways because they might only have the one archetype that's super alive with them. And then it's very frustrating to be with them because their other archetypes aren't showing up to play. And so, yeah, yeah, I feel like this is on a very basic level, not that it's basic, but it is a book that can allow, that can show men like where their strengths are. Yeah. And also help them identify where they're not stepping up in their power because she's really giving them ways in which to feel more powerful, not right. in an aggressive way. Again, it's no, like, no, no. Assert, like that assertiveness, you know, confidence. confidence. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we um, really noticed when we read this book is there's a way in which this is an invitation to men. It could be seen as a demand if it was sort of ego based, and you were if you walked up to a man, you handed him this book, and said, "If you do these things, I'll be this woman." I don't think it's going to go over really mm-hmm. well. So be careful about that, ladies. Yeah. But what it is, it's an invitation for him to understand a woman really deeply and understand that if he chooses these ways of being, he's going to choose, that's going to choose for him that his woman is the way he wants her to be. It's so fascinating how she's worked through a lot of these angles and and seen where where the dip is and where the darkness is and which things really make a woman feel like blossoming and blooming and flowing. Um, well, speaking of when you said darkness, oh, sorry, this is a song in my <laughs> speaking head. Speaking of darkness, one of the concepts too was every archetype had kind of a shadow side or a dark yes, side to it, it. And so I loved that she kind of gave examples of, you know, okay, if they are the dark night, let's just say, which means they're living on the edge and they're pushing themselves to the extremes. If they're doing that in a way that's dangerous, like driving on a motorcycle at 150 miles per hour just to get a thrill with no helmet, with no helmet that's the dark side of the dark night. That's the part that is actually not going to make a woman feel safe. But what it is saying is that there's an essence of the dark night that when it's present in a man, it's a man who is trying something new is not you know scared of setting a goal and going for it even though he doesn't know how he's going to get there it's that he's willing to try it and that's super sexy other than a man who's like yeah i have this business idea and they just have business idea after business idea and then they like never get off the couch to do it like because they're too scared 
that's not a sexy quality. I'd rather a man does not even say his idea. <laughs> well, I think the thing is what you're doing is you're building trust. And again, we go back to the safety piece is if a man says to his partner, I have an idea and I want to invest in this idea. And then he shows up and you watch him investing in it. It's like he's keeping his word to himself right. and to you. Right. When he says, I have an idea, I have an idea, I have an idea, and no investment gets made, then you begin to not feel safe around, can I trust him to have an idea that he's actually going to follow through? Then what's going to happen to me? Is he going Am to follow through? Am I just through? an idea that he doesn't follow through with? Exactly. Am I also? And, you know, you start to see the edges of commitment stuff about, am I going to commit? And Krista and I, as you know, we've admitted in the past, <laughs> in the past completely, might have had one or two commitment issues. Yeah. yeah. So um, we recognize what it looks like when someone's sort of shimmying around a commitment. And it isn't purposeful and it's not against anybody. But what this book does is suggest if you really want to, you love this woman, you really want to get the best from her, then lean in. Find out, oh, maybe I could try on this behavior. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, one of the strategies is full appreciation. Right. Of the woman, like picking something about her. She gives the men steps. Like if you're reading this archetype of the artist and you're going, oh, I don't do any of that. She's like, try these five things. See if one of them allows your woman to show up differently for you. And they're like really simple things. Sometimes it's just certain words of appreciation and to see how the woman reacts. You know, one of the things I thought was really interesting that was in the, I don't know which chapter because it was about beauty was that women need Probably to be appreciated for their specific beauty. And I thought that was tremendous, like for her specific, unique way that you see she's beautiful. Not just because you love big asses and she's got a big ass or she's got mm-hmm. great tits or she's got, you know, eyes that send you. It's like, but what is it about her versus any other big ass woman or any other big <laughs> woman? Like, what is it about her that, so that, was that the- says, wow. And and can they articulate that so that you feel safe that they actually do see you as unique and not just another piece of ass? Right. Right. So right. Because one of the things she said is if your woman says to you, or if you say to your woman, you're so beautiful, and your woman goes, well, what do you mean? Or how? And then you choke and you don't have anything more specific to say, then it comes across as you were just saying something in genuine to just get what you want. Yeah, as opposed to what you're saying is being like if if you're going to say to your woman that she's beautiful, you better know specifically what it is about her that makes her unique to you, right? And this is what's so interesting about this book to me because why would anybody know that? Why would I don't even know that I need a man to see my unique beauty? Right. I don't I don't even understand that I that's a now. thing. But now I do. I'm like, what is it? Now I'm gonna be asking. I'm gonna be asking, what is it beautiful about me? Because I see the effect it has on me. But if it hadn't been for her pointing it out. So now that a, a man can make a choice to say, Oh, so if I say you're beautiful and I'm not specific, I can see that it feels amorphous mm-hmm. and maybe disingenuous. But if I go, if I really tell her, like, there's just something about the way you smile that always catches my heart, you know, something like that. It's, it doesn't have to be like the thing she thinks she's beautiful for. She wants to know what you think she's She wants to be for. the one. I think somewhere right. in the book it says that. It does. And when you know the specific qualities and can express it to her that make her feel like the one, then she melts. 
Like Indeed. if if you if you use terms of endearment toward her and then she hears you use the same term of endearment toward I don't know, another friend, then all of a sudden Not your it, mother, Dinandu the mother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you're just like, Oh, I thought he was using that for me and then I realized he's saying it to everybody. It deflates. You know, the one I think of when I think of that is hey babe. <laughs> a lot of people use hey babe for their partners, mm-hmm. right? And they're hey babe, I think I'm gonna stop and da 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 on the way, way home, whatever. And then it slips into their language and they call some of her friends or maybe their sister or somebody else that word. And that's the kind of thing that can really shake a woman up to feel very sensitive about whether or not she's special and whether or not she's really cared for by this man. I have to say, Bachelor number two that was discussed a couple of weeks ago, he had a term of endearment for me Aww. that whenever he, I mean, every text had it in there and he would use it when speaking to me. And it just, it always made me melt every time he used it. Loved it. And it was? Well, if I say it. You say, hey, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> no, meow, <I> <laughs> meow, meow, meow. It was mean? much sweeter than that. Was it? Yeah, it was. You don't want to reveal it? I'm just like, I'm sitting here going like, oh, is that too, it might be too intimate of a detail that would, maybe he wouldn't want me sharing. I don't know. How would anybody know? (laughs) I don't know. Bachelor number two does not have a name. I know. Bachelor number two. Um, No, I'm not. I'm going to keep that one to myself. Okay. That's super sweet. Okay. Um, Is there another one you can remember? Because I use babe, because that used to be one that one of my partners and I shared. It was really sweet until I heard him say it to someone else. Yeah. I mean, I've had that experience kind of recently and I mm. were the, the word I've heard used. With it. And so it just, it takes the sweetness out of it. So if you're going to u- pick a sweet name for your woman, make sure it's just for her. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're saying. Chris is still not going to tell us any of her words. Now that's two words that have gone by. She has not told us. And I think the thing is that honey is maybe not one of those words. Like that can be kind of a random, you can call maybe your kid, hey, honey, can you pick up your shoes? And you can also say to your wife, honey, would you like me to stop at the store? And that's not the term of endearment. It's the one that you use when you're intimate that you want to make sure you're not using with other people because it indicates indicates too much intimacy with someone else. Maybe that's what we're saying. So again, I want to point to this thing about safety because for Mm. women in relationship to men, we're always the physical underdog. So we have to trust them, that them, you guys, whoever's listening, that you're caring for us. Because if you're not actually being caring towards us, we're in danger. We are this is actually primal. This is physical. Days. This is instinctual. Yeah. We have to grab, you know, cutlery if you're not going to be <laughs> good to us, right? Well, it goes back to I don't want to be the. I don't want you to be the father of my children if you can't kill the bear and protect children and I. Like it's right. going back that far, and all of that. Those belief systems are embedded in a woman's DNA. And so when we're looking for a partner, like what you're saying, it's every single one of these came back to safety in some way. Did. And I could look at relationships I've been in and go, wow, that man was so amazing. He had six of these archetypes, like fairly strong, but that one, whether it was like the director, I had one that, you know, could not lead or make a decision or show up in his own life and make forward motion. And it felt so unsafe. And it's like, when he couldn't step up and be the director, then I was forced to be the director. I had that too. And then mm. I was like, 
oh, you're not sexy at all. Like, I just lost all respect and all sexual desire because I want to be- You were the man. I had to be the man. Yep. In the day-to-day life, I had to be the man. And so by the time I got to bed, I was like, yeah, I've been the man all day long. I don't want to do this anymore. And there's no polarity. I think that's part of what you're addressing is there's, if I'm the man and you're the man, there's no polarity. I'm in the field with you doing the same thing. If you come into your power, now that doesn't mean you have to be doing it at work. Stay-at-home dads, they can be powerful. You know, Anybody can be powerful in whatever role you choose. You just can't be the woman if you want a woman to be the woman. And, you know, I actually believe that in many partnerships, there's a spectrum and there's a shifting of roles until two people actually get comfortable with how much masculine and feminine each person want to express. Mm -hmm. I think the expression of that is really in a lot of relationships and partnerships right now that we're seeing where things are really changing and people are making different kinds of choices about who they're relating to, and there's more freedom, that we're going to see more and more of the masculine and the feminine playing together in the spectrum and both people finding ways to feel safe. This book really talks about how a man being in his power and in his integrity and alignment helps a woman feel safe. And what's so great is she points out when he does that, he's actually pulling the best of himself out. Mm -hmm. So she's going to get this sense that he's the best of who he can be. And I have been with as many archetypes as there are in this book. And Mm -hmm. so when you read this book, it's so fascinating. I had that trust experience with someone who wasn't carrying the ball down the field. And I kept going in and giving the ball to him, and he kept handing it back to me. And I go in and (laughs) hand the ball, hand it back to me. And in this situation, we were actually trying to create a partnership in a business. Mm. And it was he. And finally, I was like, "Okay, I'm calling the game. There's no game here because we're lateral passing." And I think when we use the word trust, everyone's mind just immediately goes to like affairs or cheating. Mm. But what is really important to understand is that if every day your wife says or girlfriend or partner says, "Can you pick up the milk?" and you say yes, and then every day you don't show up with milk, and even though it's something so silly and trivial. If you do it on a consistent basis or don't do what you say you're going to do, then when it comes to bigger decisions, she's sitting there going like, well, how can I trust that he's going to you know, show up for me on that? And it escalates into the point where there's no trust for those bigger things. Yeah. Sort of like that, that um, saying, the devil's in the details. Mm-hmm. The smallest things are just Im- as important as the bigger things. And I remember there was one time in my life where I really struggled with remembering what my partner asked me for because of all the other demands I had. And I realized how undermining that was in his sense of safety. Mm-hmm. Because I would both ways. Right. I would get take care of things for the kids. I would take care of things for the house. I would take care of, and this might not be the relationship you're thinking of, so don't extrapolate. <laughs> but I realized that I wasn't bringing the one thing he asked for because everybody else was you know, higher priority. And I realized how undermining that was for him in his power to feel like his woman could not remember just the one thing he wanted. So I love how this book is an interplay Mm -hmm. of power on both sides. Well, because there's a lot of projection happening here too. Yeah, there is. And 
I don't know if we're ready for this, but I had one uh, more <laughs> thing um, that Have I wanted to talk about. Have you opened me here. enough to be ready for this? I don't know. I don't know. And I, that's I, might, really need, I might need my taint tickled a bit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. I know this book did definitely um, open us in an interesting way, and it really gave us a lot of warmth and sensuality. It is really good to feel understood and to take in, when you read this book, things you don't even know about yourself as a woman. And as a man, you certainly don't know these because most women don't know these things about themselves either. So it's really such a refreshing. If they knew them, then they would we just experience ask for them. it. Well, we you know, we go, oh, I don't know. Like, why aren't you happy in your relationship? I don't know. I think this book gives a really some really great guidelines to find why you're not happy in the relationship because. I would say in that one relationship I was referencing where it was really challenging, I didn't exactly know why I wasn't happy. I couldn't figure it out. And when I read this book, I was like, oh, because I'm not feeling safe because of this, this, and this. And I didn't realize that safety was underneath the underlying issue. I just thought, I thought it was the surface saying, oh, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. But I didn't realize it was, no, it's I don't feel safe. And so then when he's asking for sex all the time, I'm like, oh, my body is clo- was closed up so tight. I was battened down. And he's like, I don't understand why you don't want to have sex. I was like, because I don't trust you. I don't feel safe. And not like physical abuse safe. We're not no. talking that. We're just talking about my heart doesn't feel safe to open right now. I don't really feel like you're fully seeing me and fully here. And it is complex. And that's mm-hmm. why we're saying this is an amazing book. Like if men really want to it be into this conversation, this is a great book to get started. And I would say that if you really want to have an impact on your partnership or your relationship, you bring both people into read this it conversation together, for sure. and read it together and talk about it because it may not be the same for everyone. I see that there's easily ways in which it could you know, because one person things. might read and be like, oh, I'm great at the artist. I totally see my partner, but maybe your partner actually doesn't feel seen. Right. So it's a great conversation starter, I it think. It is. And I think it's really a beautiful, beautiful way to get to know someone and also to evaluate what kind of, what is missing. And if, if it's fixable, and maybe mm-hmm. it's not. Maybe this person is really living on the edge and wants to ride motorcycles at 100 miles an hour or 100, 150 <laughs> miles an hour with no helmet. And well, you want to have a family. That, like 100's not very fast. <laughs> well, it's not as fast as 150, which is what you said. But it's like, and you want to have a family, and that is not being right. seen. Right. It's not being seen. So you get pregnant, and your expectation is that he's going to stop doing that. And you're thinking he's going to sell his motorcycle, and he doesn't. And now you are completely unsafe in this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Because how are you going to keep how, your family safe? How are you going to keep your kids safe? And your hormones are telling you what to do. You got to keep these kids safe. So just really great. And and also just recognizing that when we even read about this stuff, it opens us. Mm-hmm. And there's so many levels to so the many I mean, like I said, I've read it twice and I could read it again and get it at a whole different level. Yeah, and one thing I was talking about, Krista, about when I read this book again this time is, at this current moment in my life, I'm single. And when I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, this is so great. I can't wait to have this with me when I have a new partnership and blah, blah, blah. And then it really struck me that one of the best ways for me to be with myself right now, and I, I really want to invite the women and men to develop ourselves by ourselves, <laughs> sort of emotionally <laughs> masturbating yourself, right? <laughs> I'll 
It's all about that. Okay. What'd you spend your day doing? Uh, Emotionally masturbating myself. (laughs) Can we coin that? Okay. I wasn't actually saying that when I started, but thank goodness. Oh, that came from somewhere. Yes, we can coin emotional masturbation and we're going to probably have to name this thing emotional masturbation. So... Anyway, what I meant to get to, what I was getting to is it occurred to me that if I, the masculine inside me and the feminine inside me can begin to relate together in this way, what a juicy experience. It's sensual. It's warm. It's inviting. It feels like, you know, rubbing pate all over yourself (laughs) (laughs) or maybe warm fudgy sauce with whipped cream. I don't know, but it feels a nice warmth that comes up from within When you do this, you develop this really sweet loving inside yourself with a masculine and a feminine that know how to communicate, that know how what they want, that know what both people feel supported. There's no demand here. Mm. It's all invitation. Would you like me to be this way? If you would like me to be this way, you might want to be this way. So how could I learn to find what uniquely is beautiful about myself and tell myself that? When I realize the next thing that's going to happen is when a man comes in, and for you it's anyone, but for me the preference is a man, I'll be able to recognize him. If, if I'm already treating myself really well, I'll recognize someone else who's treating me in the way that makes me feel safe to open. Right. We're not going to have a lot of miscommunication about well, it. Well, then you don't spend a year dating someone that is not in alignment with you either. Right. I mean, I feel like I, from reading this book, I've been able to identify much quicker whether somebody's my person or not. And Sweet. I've been able to have those, you know, conversations at the beginning of relationships of like, this is what I'm looking for in this relationship and kind of setting the boundaries. Really nice. Probably knowing that that person didn't have all seven archetypes. But at that time, I wasn't looking for that. Right. So it was okay with me. And then once I decided, oh, no, now I really am looking for the one, then it's like getting really clear on where's this person's strengths? Where are their weaknesses? Are they weaknesses I can live with? Or is that a deal breaker for me? And then the important part is how the projection part of it of like, where is my healing in it? Yeah, absolutely. So much. I mean, we were I, right before we started podcasting, we were talking about um, the archetype of the lover. And I was saying, oh, yeah, as I was reading this book this time, I was um, really reading it through the lens of golden eyes. And, uh, you know, I saw this archetype in him and this one, this one, this one. And then when I got to the very last chapter, which was the lover, I realized, oh, that's where all of our material came from. And I was saying, he needed to heal that and he needed to heal that. And you looked at me and were like, and you? And I was like, oh, yeah, I needed to heal that too. (laughs) So that's that was a good reflection back to me of, you know, I don't want women reading this book going like, see, honey, you need to fix all this stuff about you. It's, it's, It's the ebb and flow. It's working with both people. Yeah, it's really respectful. It's not demanding. It's really, if you would like me to be the best sensuous sexual partner, the one Mm -hmm. that's most related, most present, most here for you, you might want to try some of these things that really resonate with me. And then you might also discover, don't bother this because this is, I I don't feel this at all. So, you know, don't give it to me. I don't care. You know, when people say, like, I had this one man who was like, oh, I want you to be your best version of yourself with me. And 
I kept going like, how can I do that? Because I don't feel that way. I like literally don't feel that way with you. Right. And I couldn't figure out why. And it's like, oh, because of these. Yeah. One of them is he has an expectation. He's looking at you to find out if you're being the best version of yourself instead of accepting. Right. And if he's not having some of these qualities and I'm accepting that and being in partnership with somebody who doesn't have these qualities that I find very important, then I'm feeling shitty about myself. Like, why am I in partnership with someone who's either not in their integrity or, you know, doesn't know how to make me feel seen or. Right. And really it comes down to, we're not in charge of this process in many ways. Again, it's instinctual, it's safety. And sure, we can all live outside our safety zone for a while, but you're not going to get the best from us. If Mm -hmm. I walk in the front door of my house and I'm anticipating disapproval Mm -hmm. for how I look or what I'm saying, or what I bought, or what anything. If I'm anticipating, I'm not open to you. Right. Or if I walk in feeling great, has anybody had this happen, and you receive disapproval, you're thinking, oh, I'm only 10 minutes late. It's not a big deal because we said we're going to have dinner, so 10 minutes, what's the big deal? And the person is, like, furious. I'm kind of like that. If you if you tell me you're going to be somewhere at a certain time and you don't show up, it, to me it says you don't value me enough to be on time or to at least call me and, you know, let me know. Yeah. So you can see how that would get in the way of being open. Ooh, I have another oh. realization that I had oh. while reading it. Okay. It's that when, if I'm in partnership with someone and they were really not embodying one of these qualities, I noticed that my next relationship, that person would would be very strong <laughs> and, the archetype, and the archetype that the previous person didn't have. But then the new not relationship, have the other yeah, I would not have the other. So I could look back over like my 25 years of dating and be like, I could see how I would swing from one spectrum to the other, filling the next relationship with the one thing I was missing from the previous one. Yeah. So and such a great awareness that because is. then I'm like, what's going to happen next in my life? <laughs> one of the ones I love the most is the bad boy, good boy. That was That's the one the dark I night. Well, it's just for me, it can sometimes just be as simple as bad boy, good boy. Mm. And the bad boy gives me all of the juiciness and all of like, I'll open to him because there's all of this sense of that he thinks I'm attractive, that he he's pulling me in, he's mesmerized by me, he's charmed, he's enchanted, he wants to hear every word I'm saying, and he's living on the edge of that dark night right. thing. Mm-hmm. So he's I can't couple with him because I'm it's too dang like I know. Mm-hmm. He can't be your husband. He can't be your husband it's not because safe to have if you want to have kids and do that life. Or he's not even necessarily fully stable. Like while he's with me, he's so present and it's so exciting. And Which, then so then the other person that I would go to is the exact opposite and it would be the person that was drier and more committed and always on time and always doing the right thing. Right. And he was like the perfect resume guy, right? Who hasn't dated him? Perfect resume guy, but he doesn't have any connection to me. Mm-hmm. And he's trying so hard to prove that he's a great guy or whatever's happening, that there's no connection between us. And he's thinking, this is going great. And I can't find myself in it. And it was just an interest. I'm sure, I'm sure other women have done this. And I know men who are really good guys sometimes get confused by this. Because, like, I was doing everything for her, and she just went off with this guy on the motorcycle, and it was exciting, and da-da-da. 
And we're learning about ourselves. So I'm just going to take a moment to apologize (laughs) because we're learning for ourselves as much as from this book, as much as any man would ever learn about himself. And I'm looking all of a sudden at the perspective of committed monogamous relationships and thinking like how often maybe we are attracted to someone, for instance, with like the dark night, the living on the edge and everything. But once we decide to go into partnership and be monogamous or get married, we it's all of a sudden no longer okay for that person to have that quality. So it just like gets pulled out of them, you know, slowly. And then I think that's where some of these long-term relationships just, they fall flat because somebody had to give up this part of themselves that initially was okay for them to be. And and maybe it's the part of the lover. Maybe someone's the ultimate lover and all of a sudden they get into a relationship and feels like, you know, they have to like let go of their string of women and they feel like they've lost their freedom or I don't know. I just think it's an in, uh, interesting concept to start playing around with of like which ones of these we feel like have to get shut down and are, we perceive as needing to be shut down in order to be in monogamous relationship. And that brings us back to our other favorite book. <laughs> which, <laughs> which one? We got a string slut? of them. <laughs> um, the Ignorant Slut. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's so funny. Okay, (laughs) so the real name of that book. So I did have a group of friends and I who had this thing that we did where we called ourselves the ignorant sluts. So that's where that came from, to be totally honest. Well, anyway, so this is really... Ethical slut is the one we're talking about, which means as long as you're having a partnership that you've chosen... And it works for both people, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And that that's really what I was saying in this situation is sometimes we think our partner really wants us to curb our enthusiasm, to mm-hmm. do something, to pull back, and really it's not actually. Or even, have you ever done this, that you think you need someone to to pull back and and you know, I have a friend who sold all his motorcycles, a guy I was dating. He sold mm-hmm. all his motorcycles when his kids were born. But he lost something. Mm-hmm. And well, I that's thought, exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. And we I, get married and we think that we have to get rid of the, the thing that gave us life. Yeah. So, and the question in this, yeah, but the question in this is what can I do that gives me that kind of mm-hmm. thing while I'm trying to take care of my family, make sure I don't disappear off the planet because my wife would fe- feel afraid all the time? That gives me that same thing and go looking for it. Because what happens is when a man does that, and women do those things too. We give up certain things. But when a man does that, who gets blamed in the end? The wife, the children, they, I, Possibly, yeah. I think that's. Or marriage in general. Like when you get married, you give up sex. How many people have said that to me? Men, especially. And it's like, well, no, not really. But if you give up relating, if you give up talking, if you give Mm -hmm. up, you know, and when we have kids, everybody knows this happens when you have kids, there's so much going on, very hard to keep your connection going in your marriage. Mm -hmm. And we're advising anybody in partnership or marriages to stay connected. And this book will give you lots of things, married, single, doesn't matter. There's so much great stuff in here, really opening us um, to the loving. And you know what we always say, spread Spread the the love. love. We love you all. Bye. Bye. Do you want the opportunity to see the gals of Holy Fucking Person? 
If so, go to holyfuckpodcast.com and join our mailing list so you can find out when and where these goddesses will be transforming lives next. And yes, I know, I'm talking about myself in third person. Open your browser, type in holyfuckpodcast.com, click on mailing list, and give us your most trusty email. Not that bogus one you give to Walmart. So sign up now. Not tomorrow. Now. Now, now, now. Thank you.